see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. We have a special today as the Packaging and Processing Women's Leadership Network takes over the unpacked reins from myself and it handed over to OEM Magazine Editor-in-Chief Stephanie Neal as she discusses the importance of understanding the financial side of manufacturing with Lisa Propati, VP and GM at WLS, a Promoc brand, and guest speaker Bob Hirsch, National Managing Principal at Grant Thornton. Also be on the lookout for more information on the PPWLN event taking place at PAC Expo Las Vegas. Let's have a listen. And joining me today is Lisa Propati, who is the Vice President and General Manager of WLS, a Promoc brand. And uh, Bob Hirsch is a partner at Grant Thornton's Business Advisory Services, as well as the National Managing Principal of the company's manufacturing practice. And, um, and so we're talking about business acumen today. I can Google the definition of what that means, but I'd, I'd like to hear from both of you, your interpretation of what that means. I don't know, Bob, if you want to start. Sure. Like, so for, for me, what that means, and again, it's like, you know, I've got an MBA as well, right? So, so it's not just the operations and how parts move or, or product moves through a factory or even through a supply chain. It's like, we're all here to make a profit for our company. We're here to make money, right? With that, that, that's right. And understanding like how when a when a product flows through an operation how value is added and ultimately a customer wants to consume that product is really important right so it's important to understand how a product moves through the product and moves through the process but also how the money moves through the process so that you're making the right decisions along the way so you might be an engineer designing a product but that has direct in, you know, direct impact on can you make it profitably? Can you distribute it in the right way? Will your do your customers really value and want to buy that product? All of that's really important. So business acumen to me is not just the operation side that we all kind of tend to being the engineer that I am at least, but it's how does the money flow through the process? And that adds another dimension of insight as you're growing in your career and you're 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 helping the, your company get products to market. Right. And so if I'm in sales and marketing or I'm an engineer or I'm in communications, uh, again, it's, it's it might be difficult for me to understand in that role why I need to understand how money flows through the supply chain and through the manufacturing process. Lisa, do you want to talk a little bit about why, regardless of your role, you should understand how money flows through the organization? Right. Well, so... To Bob's point, most companies are in business to obviously they want to sell great products, but they definitely it's all about the bottom line and they want to make sure that they're making money. Mm -hmm. Anybody that comes into a position in a company, they need to understand how they impact that bottom line. So it's all about how all the little pieces of the puzzle 
flow through and what you can do, as Bob said, to be value add. So if someone is an engineer and they just know that they have to do a job with no goal, then you can just do a job. But if they know that the goal is that they spend five hours designing something, and then what happens if they take 10 hours to design it? Or what happens if they take two hours to design it? What does that do to the bottom line? What does that do to the whole cost structure, to the margin? What does that do to even the throughput to get something faster to the customer? So I think it's really important that each individual in a company understands what their piece of the puzzle is and how to translate that into finance and accounting to, because that's really the language of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I could add to that, it's like, you know, Lisa and I both talked about bottom line, right? Cause it comes down to the bottom line, but it's, it's important that you understand all three financial statements as well. It's not just income, you know, profit and loss, it's cash flow, it's how you affect the balance sheet. And what I would encourage everyone to do is understand how those three primary financial statements affect everything that a company does, how we're measured. It's you got to understand all the dimensions. It's not when we, I think Lisa, if, if I can be so bold to speak for you as well, it's like when we talk about bottom line, it's not just the bottom line. It's right. all three of the, it's all three of the statements. That's important. For sure. Yeah. So how do, how would people understand that? I mean, where do they go to get the resources to understand that? So there's, there's lots of different resources out there. I think one of the best resources is to go to somebody either in your network outside of your company or definitely in your company and figure out What makes money? What are the goals? What are the things that that individual can do in their department or role in their skilled labor that can help make the money? I would say, you know, you need a little bit of the broad base where you can look, you could read a book or you can do some kind of online program. But if you can talk to somebody within the company that has a full understanding from the whole sales cycle, and as Bob pointed out, you know, what the cash flow is, what what happens to your balance sheet, um, I think that would be the best resource for someone. Really, it's just asking lots of questions and staying curious. Yeah, well, well said, Lisa. The, the, the two things that when when I have young professionals come to me, like what makes a good consultant, it's staying curious. It's that it's that insatiable intellectual curiosity and sort of a, an untiring work ethic. Right, are the two things that I always try to coach on. But the other the other thing too that it's it's knowing your network. But you're not going to learn all these things like overnight. Like I still, I still learn things about manufacturing operations like every day, right? So don't be afraid of like you don't know everything because none of us know everything. It's just have the confidence to engage your network, ask the you know ask the question you might think is stupid because like you, it, it's it's always you're always learning and that never stops, right? You, like the minute you stop learning is the minute your kind of career stagnates, and so. It's not that you need to know everything right away, but it's like being curious, asking the questions, having the dialogue with somebody that's been there and, and has lived it and, and getting that perspective is really important. And, you know, you even said to me, Bob, when we spoke several months back when we were working on this project that you wish you knew at 20 years old how important it was to network. Absolutely. Right. Because I I spent a lot of time sitting behind, a, you know, a computer slinging code, right, coding, coding systems kind of understand the requirements. If I had done a better job, not just like talking to my clients, talking to my colleagues, understanding what's going on, but being out in the ecosystem, if professional organizations, talking to people in other, you know, in other manufacturing organizations, my career would have been, I mean, I've had a great career, but I would have had a better trajectory than I ended up. Just from the perspective of being a, a woman in the male dominated industry, um, Lisa, do you think that like curiosity 
business acumen, networking, is that even more important for a woman? Um, so I think it's important <laughs> for everybody. Um, and I think to build on what Bob said is that it's really important to get a very diverse network, you know, not just in manufacturing or not just in machine manufacturing, just to make sure that you reach outside. So to your point, yes, is it important? I mean, if you're the only woman in the room, yes, it would be great if you can have a few people that you can rely on, talk to, call and ask questions. And then from those relationships, you build on to bigger relationships. Um, you know, I think it can help build confidence, you know, being the only woman in the room with all the other, you know, with networking more. So maybe it is more important, but I think it's important for everybody to really make sure that they get out of their comfort zone. Don't just network within, you know, the people that they tend to talk to every day and reach out to others. And what you might find out is that other people want to reach out and talk to them. They might not have the courage to make that first step in making those connections. 100% agree. So true. So both of you also have like come up with some business tools for people talking about getting out of your comfort zone. I mean, I know for a lot of people, it is out of their comfort zone to talk about finances. And Lisa, you created this program finances for non-financial people. I'll raise my hand on that one. And <laughs> if you can share that with me, but tell me a little bit why you created that. And then Bob, I'll go to you because I know you did something similar in your organization, but Lisa, why did you create it? Who was it for? Um, so early in my career, um, I was giving a presentation and I was all excited about my debits and credits and, you know, how fancy the financial statements looked. And I looked around the room and noticed that everybody wasn't as, you know, as excited as me, which, you know, it is normal. Um, but I also noticed that there were many of them in the room that looked very puzzled. And so I stopped and I realized that many had questions. And to Bob's point, a lot of people won't ask that question, won't raise their hand and say, I'm the one that doesn't understand. Um, so I started asking questions and realized that the people that I was presenting to didn't really fully understand what I was presenting to. So when I said, okay, I'm going to write a program and I'm going to take this down into something that everybody can understand. And what I did is I wrote a program that related to people's personal finances. So I said, okay, here's your P&L. It's your paycheck every month. And it's all the bills that you have to pay. And what do you have left over? That's kind of your net income. Okay. So let's talk about your balance sheet. So your balance sheet is what you owe and what you own. And so you talk about your car in your house. And those are the things that you own, but do you really, because you really owe your car payment or your mortgage. And then, you know, we kind of went through a whole process. And once they understood it, when they related to their own personal finances, but you know, the light bulb went off above their head and now they understood all the financials within the company. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe not everything, but it gave them a really good starting point for them to apply it to their own personal lives. It put them into an environment where they felt safe and they felt like they were knowledgeable and they could work their way through it. So it was the manufacturing team. They were out on the shop floor, all of the kind of first and second line managers and supervisors. That was my, from there it went on to the rest of the company because it was really good for everybody. I think, to understand the, their little piece of the puzzle. Tell me, Bob, because you did something similar, which I find fascinating because your business is all about money, right? And you've got a manufacturing right. practice. Yet you did something similar internally. Because yeah. so, so if you think about what my business is, right? I already mentioned audit tax and advisory. We've got three service lines, you know, three primary service lines. But each one of those service lines kind of thinks about their clients and their problems in a slightly different way, if not a completely different way. And the challenge that I was trying to overcome is like when when I bring a uh, like a young professional into a client, like 
I wanted to make sure that we had a baseline of knowledge that we expected all of our professionals to have so that we could have the business conversations with our clients, mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't just accounting focus. It just wasn't tax focus. It wasn't just operational and system focus that everyone sort of had a baseline. So we all started talking the same language to our clients when, when we were in front of our clients. And so we put together a program of those basic skills, right? Of operational skills, quality skills, financial management, you know, the, the you know, financial statements, right? It went across the board of everything that we need to know to make sure that we're asking the right questions to our clients, that we can engage in the right business conversations with our clients and get to understand our clients in a way, in the way they view their businesses so that we can help them in a value added way that we're not just showing up and spewing what we think we know, but engaging in those conversations and understanding how our clients look at their business, the challenges that they have, and what is open to them to help them solve the problems where we can help. The other thing I would add to that, Stephanie, I think you and I talked about this as well, is, is manufacturing isn't fathers or grandfathers, and I purposely use father and grandfather's industry anymore, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the type of environment, and this is, is and, and Lisa, I'd love to get your take on this. It's across the board. It's not where dad gets up at four in the morning, there's a lunchbox that's packed for him, and he will, goes off to, you know, he goes off to, um, you know, Troy, Michigan to build a car, gets off at three, goes to, you know, goes to a bar, has a shot and a beer, and then goes home and has dinner with his wife and kids. That's not what we're talking about anymore, mm -hmm. right? Manufacturing is not just a, we're building product, but it's a creative knowledge-based technology focus and not completely technology focused because I could give a lot of examples where just the, the, the raw people interaction is really important. But we need to move from that sort of view of manufacturing to the sort of creative, diverse, attracting talent across all of our demographics, because that's what's going to make manufacturing in specific, in my view of the world, American manufacturing that much stronger. That's where we need, right? And so we really need that sort of diverse skill set. It's not just engineering or sales. There's a lot of creativity that needs to happen to bring a product together. And then Lisa, like you live in this world, right? Packaging is not just you're creating a bottle. It's, you know, there's a lot of things that goes into that technology and creativity artistically. There's a lot that goes into it. And we need to really embrace all of that so that we're attracting the right sort of skill sets into manufacturing. For sure. Mm -hmm. And just to build on what um, you say is, so really, I, I do believe that manufacturing has changed because now it's not just making the car, it's really selling the solution for our customer, especially in packaging. And there's, you know, I'm in the pharma side of it. So there's lots of regulations, but we need to make sure that we can give the customer what they want. And in order to get that solution that is creative and innovative, you need to bring diverse teams together. It can't just be, like you said, your father, grandfather, everybody that's in the same room with the same opinion, they all came from the same place. And, yep. and then they're all going to say the same thing because then there's no creativity. When you get people from all different backgrounds and from all different other industries that can go in, it can really help solve the problem or create the solution in ways that we didn't even think were possible. When you get a, yep. you know many different people in the room, it's it's a hundred percent true what you said. One of the things when when like when I'm hiring people, right? I'm not just looking for engineers or product people. Like there's there's this one view of the world that I have that when we're when we're coding systems, I actually look for artistic types like where I have recruited like music majors and turn them into coders right because if you think about what you're doing in terms of you know coding a computer writing writing computer code all you're doing is you're manipulating symbols in a way that solves a problem right if you think about what a musician is they're manipulating symbols in a very artistic way 
And God, if you can use that type of skill set in a, you know, in a, a coding situation, man, you come up with like really cool product, really cool solutions for our clients. Right. And I think that to me, in my mind, is sort of the quintessential thing. I'm not just looking for software engineers. I'm looking for people that can be creative in a, you know, in a very fluid situation. And there's nobody better than like an artist to do that. Right. You need both viewpoints to get it to come out right. You do. And the, everybody that comes in, they just have to have that initiative to really go in and learn. It's no different than learning about the business or learning something new. You have the initiative. Typically, you can teach the skill sets. And the skill sets you use over career, like what I was doing like low those many years ago, but that I won't put a number on, right? It's a lot <laughs> different than what I'm doing today. It's so interesting, though, because we I think that we think of manufacturing and we, we think of these rigid roles. And you're saying you're looking, you're thinking outside the box and you want to bring in different types of skill sets, different types of personalities. I'm, I'm just wondering, though, like when we start to think about how a person could individually to take responsibility for the financial success of the organization, other than, you know, the curiosity factor, the networking, bringing different skill sets. How do we know that we're, we're actually contributing to the bottom line of the organization? There has to be really great communication within the company so that they know what the goals are. And you need somebody to kind of connect those puzzle pieces. What does each individual's job do? And what are the things that need to be done to increase that financial health of the company, if you will. So I would say it's going to start within the company and you you need to have that education. And then once you have the education, that person needs to say, okay, this is my job. These are the things that I can control. Okay. So what are the things upstream and downstream from me that I can control to make my job better to help increase that bottom line? I think it's just never stop asking questions, networking within your company and making sure that you're all rowing in the right direction. Yeah, and I think there's an aspect of, I don't know what I'd call it, sort of self-reflection in that as well. as like if you understand what the financial goals are, you know, what, the, what the overall organization is trying to do, you know, the communication aspect that Lisa talked about, if you reflect on what those goals are and how you perform your job or what, you know, the, the product that you personally deliver, whatever that might be, if that's informed by the overall goals, it's going to come out the right way. So it's not just an outside coming, you know, coming in. It's an inside looking out. How do I contribute to the organization in the best possible way? Okay. Um, in general, women's salaries are still lower than men in this industry and many others. And can understanding the the financial aspect of your company or the business as a whole, can that influence pay parity in some way, shape or form, do you think? And, and that's another loaded question, but just curious. I think in an ideal world, it absolutely is going to help. But at the same time, I mean, there, there's a history here that we need to overcome and it's got the, the, the gap has to be filled. And I think we do that by some of the things that we've talked about, right? Making sure that like Lisa and I as leaders in the industry are presenting the right opportunities at the right time and helping people in their careers all the time. And we have to be conscious of it. It can't be, it can't just be something that happens um, accidentally, we have to be very purposeful, making sure that we give our, you know, me particularly, give our, my, you know, female young professionals the right opportunities, and making sure that my biases are left at the door, and we're putting the right people in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. I would agree. It needs to be a very intentional quest it's for anybody to, to take women that do have that initiative that want to move forward, and if this is something that's important to really help mentor, sponsor, build networks. I don't I don't know that 
you know, that's going to change by itself, the pay gap. But I think that it absolutely, it has to help and knowledge is power. So the more knowledge you have, the more valuable you become. You would think that, you know, the correlation will be that the pay will follow. And and so it goes back to your earlier question about some of the knowledge and training things that we put together. All of that helps, right? It's like you've got to have that sort of foundational knowledge in, in those building blocks. So there aren't any knowledge gaps. So like everyone is perceived as, having that baseline knowledge so that the opportunities are there, right? That there aren't any deficiencies in knowledge or capability. And we need to make sure that as we put our our young professionals in these situations, they've got the training, the support, the mentoring, you know, the coaching, the real-time feedback. So something's not created and it's not right from the get-go that there's that constant feedback loop is also very important. That That will affect the pay gap. Yeah. And interesting, though, I mean, I love how you guys set up some internal programs, but what if there's an individual at an organization and they don't have something like that? Is it okay for someone to approach the CFO or their director or manager and say, listen, I need help with this. Can you put this together or can you put point me in the direction of where I can get more information? Is that okay to do as like an emerging? Absolutely. I wish my my foot would come more forcefully with those types of things instead like yes please because i can't i again i don't know everything i gotta know i i i'm sure i know i've got blind spots mm-hmm. but we gotta walk that through and figure out how we fill those across the organization i completely agree ask anybody that you can anybody with the knowledge i'm sure more often than not uh, people within an organization are more likely to help and what about, you know, we keep talking about asking questions, being curious, networking. What if you're, you know, on the shy side and you don't want to do that? Have you ever like mentored anybody or had some employees that you've had to bring them out of their shell to be like, listen, I want to encourage you to ask more questions and here's how you can do it. What do you, what's your advice for somebody who maybe doesn't feel comfortable asking those questions? That is such a good question. Um so believe it or not, I used to be shy back in the day. <laughs> I don't I'm remember when that was. Yeah, and, and so the first thing you have to do is you have to get uncomfortable to grow and you have to ask one question because what's the worst thing that could happen from asking one question? And then when you ask one question and you get that knowledge and it, and it kind of inspires you to say, hey, I can ask another question. And then I can ask another question. And all of a sudden, you know, you're like a four-year-old asking lots of questions over and over and over again. And so really just get out of your comfort zone and do it once. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Um, yeah, it's definitely like, you know, you asked me the question earlier about, I wish I had known 20 years ago what I know today about networking. The essence of that question is actually what we just talked about. It was, it's a confidence thing. It's a being afraid to ask like the wrong question because yeah, I was shy, didn't want to, you know, didn't want to show I didn't know something. You got to get over that. The faster you get over that and have that confidence, the better mm-hmm. off you're going to. And Lisa, I think I, like I heard you say before, I mean, you, you don't want people to know, think they know everything. You want them to be asking the questions and be hungry for more information, right? For sure. No, no one, I don't know everything. You know, I'm the leader of this brand. I don't, I don't know everything. And my whole team knows I don't know everything. I mean, that's kind of why you have a group around you. So collaboratively, you know something, but as you keep talking and learning, I learn something new every single day. We recently had a sales meeting and I had 
people that have been here for 20 years and we all learn something just by sitting there and talking about our sales process and our products. So you never stop learning, no matter how old you are, how much experience you have, there's always some little nugget of information that you can learn. Mm-hmm. So any, any final thoughts from either one of you as we sort of wrap up our first learning circle on business acumen? I would say stay curious, keep learning, um, knowledge is power, you know, yeah. as a female and a male dominated, don't ever be, you know, be courageous when it comes to being the only woman in the room. It's fine. It, it's yeah. really fine. Everybody is going to treat you just fine. And you just have to, when you, when you have the courage, you're making the way for everybody behind you. So just stay positive, be courageous, be vulnerable, and just keep learning. Yeah, gosh, I, I don't think I can add to any of that. That's just really well said, Lisa. Thank yeah. you. Confidence, cur- confidence, courage, putting yourself out there is the only thing you can do. You can't be afraid of it. Because if, fr- if you're afraid of it, you don't advance, right? You got to put yourself out there. That's yeah. 100% true. Excellent. Well, thank you both so much for this conversation. I personally learned a lot, so <laughs> that's good. Me too. And, um, <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.